Good morning. It is a good morning to be together, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's good to be praying together, good to be coming around, celebrating the life we have in Christ and remembering him and what he's done, what he's doing in our future. Uh, we are going to be looking at John 10, but I want to start by asking you a question and getting your feedback. The question is this. How would you define a Christian? Let me hear from you. Someone who loves Jesus. Thank you. And follows him. Christ-like. Sorry, I'll go over here. Beg for forgiveness. Okay, I like those answers. What about this question? How would you describe a group of Christians? Crazy? No, just kidding. (laughs) Family. Church. Every single one is different. Broken vessels. Yeah. Well, uh, yes. Accepting of each other. Yeah, love one another. Were you going to say something? Oh, that's okay. If you remember, you can put your hand up again. Yeah. Well, uh, Jesus describes Christians and groups of Christians in our John 10 passage. How did he describe Christians, his followers? Yeah, sheep. Here's Barbara and Ramsey. Okay, I'll stop there. (laughs) But he calls uh, his people, those who follow him, his sheep. And uh, that's what I want to look at this morning, John 10. Um, But I I wonder how you would describe yourself. Um, Would you describe yourself as a Christian, as a sheep? Uh, The word, you know, you're a sheep can have negative uh, connotations because you just follow anyone. But for, for a Christian, that's quite a compliment to be called a sheep, a follower of Jesus. Um, but I, I, I'm sure that there's some people in the room here today which uh, would um, be a bit like this sheep. <laughs> Jesus, I'm not interested. I'm here today because I've been dragged here or I've been invited here. I want to be polite, but <laughs> not interested in Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you go, <laughs> Jesus, what a fairy tale. Can't believe people are crazy enough to believe in him. Maybe you're like this fella. Uh, you're so busy and you've been so blessed that you, know, you don't actually realise that you need a good trim and some care. Um, or maybe today you're coming a bit like these sheep. You're stuck. You're overwhelmed. You slowly feel as if you're dying and drained and you recognise your need for a good shepherd to get you out of your situation. 
Well, however you've come today and online, whatever your situation is, uh, this is the picture that Jesus has for us today. He wants us to come into his embrace and to enjoy his presence, uh, to trust him as the good shepherd. And I believe this morning that you're here, you're listening online because God has a message for you personally. It's no mistake that you're listening and it's no mistake that you're, uh, we're going to be opening God's word and, and Jesus is going to be speaking to you. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond to what Jesus has to say to you personally. Which brings me to John chapter 10. The Good Shepherd. Jesus. Uh, But we can't understand what's going on in chapter 10 unless we see it in context. You you could come to chapter 10 and, and read that and go, oh, that's nice. But... To understand what Jesus is actually saying here, you have to put it in context of the previous few chapters. You see, John chapter 10 comes in a continuous timeline from about John chapter 7, where Jesus goes to the Feast of Tabernacles, and in chapter 7 and 8, we see him preaching to the crowds and saying to the crowds, in effect, I'm the Messiah, I've been sent from God, And this causes a bit of a disturbance. Some say, is this the Messiah? Some of the religious leaders get their nose out of joint and say, look, this this guy's just trouble. And then we hit John chapter 9, the the chapter beforehand, and this is an encounter that flows directly into chapter 10. In chapter 10, where we read before about the good shepherd, Jesus is responding to the event that took place previously in chapter 9 where Jesus heals this blind beggar. He's walking out of the city and he encounters this blind beggar and the disciples say, look, he's blind. Is he a sinner or is his parents sinned that he's blind? And Jesus says, this has happened that the glory of God would be revealed. And he spits on the ground makes some mud up and he smears it on the eyes of this blind fella and he says these words in chapter 9. You can read them in verse 7. Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. I wonder what that trip down for that blind beggar was like, stumbling along the way trying to find the pool. He washes, though, as Jesus told him to. He Jesus says, go, and he goes. Jesus says, wash, and he washes. And then he sees. And this causes such a commotion amongst the neighbors, it has a great impact on his neighbors, and says, how can this be? So much so that in verse 12 of, uh, 13 of chapter 9, they brought him to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees begin to question and ask, that's the religious leaders, how has this happened? And he said, well, this guy, Jesus, he told me to go and wash And I did, and now I see. And they say, well, what do you say of this man? He says, I think he's a prophet. And the Pharisees go, no, it can't be. It's the Sabbath. You're not allowed to do things on the Sabbath. He's broken the law. He cannot be sent from God. And other leaders say, well, how can someone heal like this who isn't sent from God? And there's division amongst them. And so they call the parents of this blind man in, and they say to the parents, look, Who is this man? Has he been blind from birth? And how has this happened? And the parents say, well, this is our son. 
and he was born blind, but how he came to have his sight, we've got no clue. But ask him, he's right there and he's old enough to tell you, ask them because they feared the religious leaders because the religious leaders had said, anyone who promotes this guy as the Messiah is kicked out of the synagogue, excluded. They don't like what the parents have to say. So they ask the guy again and says, how has this happened? He said, you know how it's happened. I've already told you. And he stirs them up a little bit. And we read in chapter 24, for the second time they call the man who has been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. (laughs) It shows how much they really do know. And Jesus, the Bible says, was without sin. And yet these guys are saying, we know he's a sinner. So give glory to God. Who is it and how has this happened? He says, whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He said, I've told you already. And uh, down a bit further, they revile him and say to him, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We're better than you. We know God has spoken to Moses. That's the truth. God did. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. They're rejecting who Jesus is. He's not sent from God. How would you respond to that? How do you respond today when people ask you about Jesus? Jesus really isn't God. Well, this man says, "Why? this is an amazing, amazing thing in verse 30. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opens my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if... But if anyone is a worshipper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it ever been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man who was blind. If this man were not from God, could he do anything? What a response. He believes that Jesus is sent from God. He's opened my eyes so that I can see. There's no question in his mind. And they go, look, get out of here. They kick him out, exclude him from the assembly. Jesus hears about this in verse 35 of chapter 9. He comes to him and he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? Up until this point, he had heard his voice. He'd gone and washed. He hadn't encountered Jesus by seeing. And he says to Jesus, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. He says, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And it's out of this encounter with this blind man and this interaction with the Pharisees and and their doubting and, and in fact saying blatantly he's not sent from God that Jesus then comes in Chapter 10, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, truly, truly, listen up. What I have to say is truth. He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, the man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name 
and he leads them out. When he has brought out his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. He goes on, verse 5, A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. What's Jesus saying here? I just want to make three observations of this John chapter 10 passage this morning. The first observation is, Jesus is making it clear. Now, we, they live in a culture where shepherds were common. You know, probably in the crowd were some shepherds. That they, their ears peak and go, okay, we understand the, the analogy of sheep and shepherds. And what's he saying here, though? He's, he's saying sheep only listen to the voice of their shepherd. And he's saying to them, my sheep know my voice and follow me. That's what he's saying to them. A shepherd knows his sheep. He calls them. He calls them by name. The shepherds over there work a little bit different to our shepherds. We like to herd them with motorbikes and horses and work them with dogs. In Jesus' time, and even today, when I've been in Israel, I've seen it. They would call their sheep and they would follow by name. Barbara, come on. (laughs) And the sheep would follow. They knew their shepherd. They trusted their shepherd. They knew his voice and they would follow him. That's what Jesus is saying here. But he's saying, a stranger they don't follow. They don't know his voice. The Pharisees here, Jesus is a stranger to him. They don't know the voice of God. That's why they reject who he is. Sheep will only listen to the voice of their shepherd. And my sheep, Jesus says, know my voice. And they followed me. This is why some of the Pharisees rejected that Jesus had been sent from God. They didn't recognise him as their shepherd. They don't know him. They are not part of his flock. In chapter 8, actually, if we go back to chapter 8, these Pharisees were saying, but we're the children of Abraham. We're the special ones. And Jesus says, well, really? If you're children of Abraham, you'd do as Abraham did, but you're not. In fact, he says, you are the children of the devil and you're out to do the devil's work of stealing my flock from me. And he says, actually, in this passage, in verse 10, the thief comes to only steal, kill and destroy. Jesus saw the Pharisees as working against God's plan and was stealing people away from God and bringing death and destruction into their life, loading them up with heavy loads. Jesus is saying to everyone that when you reject me, you reject God and you're not part of my flock. On the other hand, the blind man's there. He hears the voice of Jesus. He does what he says. And life comes to him. He can see My sheep know my voice, Jesus says. Those who hear my voice are my sheep in my flock. The question I have for you today, the question Jesus has for you, are you part of my flock? Do you hear the voice of Jesus? When Jesus speaks to you, do you listen to him? 
Do you follow his voice? Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. Whose voice are you listening to? Who are you following? Today, Jesus is calling out to you, follow me. Listen to my voice. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I come that they may have life and life abundantly. This passage shows us that sheep, the world is just like sheep. You can divide the world into two groups. Those, those who are in and those who are out. You're in God's family, you're his children, you have an eternity, you have hope, life and security, or you're out. Now wonder how brilliant your life may look. It's dead. It's destined for destruction and an eternity without him. Either you're in or you're out. There's no middle ground. And you know the division that sits in the middle? The division is a door. And that door is Jesus Christ. Are you in or are you out? Today you can know that you're in and enjoy being part of God's flock. Which brings me to my second observation. Jesus says, I'm the door. Now here's a a little picture of what a sheepfold looks like. They would build stone walls and they'd uh, put briars on top to prevent predators coming and and thieves stealing their their flock. Uh, This is um, an example of one, but... um, these sheepfolds would often be built uh, at the side of it or the edge of or near the home. And so when the shepherd brings the sheep back to the sheepfold, he's bringing them home. He brings them in to the sheepfold. And the shepherd would stand at the door and guard the sheepfold. And Jesus says, I am the door to get into my sheepfold to get into God's family is only through me. It's only through me. In another part, later on in John, Jesus makes it clear when he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way to be made right with God except through Jesus Christ. There's no way to have a relationship with God if you don't know Jesus Christ. Some people think that this can be a little exclusive, but when you actually really think about that, it's the most inclusive invitation or statement that has ever been said of all time. Because it doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter if you're young or old. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you're a boss or if you're an employee. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter whether you live in Raymond Terrace or in Brewarrina or in Western Australia or in another country. It doesn't matter if you're black or white or any colour in between. Jesus says, everyone can come to God through me. It's the same for everybody. That's the most inclusive statement I've ever heard of all time. It's the same for everybody. And no one can make that choice for you. I am the way, Jesus says. I am the door. Believe in me. The blind man knew this. (laughs) Do you believe in the Son of Man? Show me so I can believe. 
I believe, Lord. I would have loved to have been there. I believe. Jesus is the only way his flock can come home. It's the only way we can enter into God's family. In context, Jesus is saying to those Pharisees who are hearing this, it's not by your family heritage. You may be descendants of Abraham, Jesus explains in chapter 8, but it's only through accepting that I am the son of God, that I am the way to be reconciled with God, that you are saved. It's not by keeping the Sabbath. He heals on the Sabbath. He can't be sent from God. Well, you've missed the whole point of what the Sabbath is about, Jesus says. This mighty work that God has done, you've missed it because you're so focused on your laws, your religious rules. You can be as religious as you like. You can attend church as often as you want. But unless your complete trust is in Jesus Christ, you have no part in his family. I am the door, Jesus says in verse 9. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Saved from what? What are we saved from? The thieves and the robbers who want to come and destroy you. Saved from an eternity outside the flock where the good shepherd is. Today, if you're, if you're not listening to the voice of Jesus, whose voice are you listening to? The thief. If you're not following Jesus, who are you following? The thief. Who comes to what? Steal, kill and destroy. He's deceptive. He has many costumes. Later on in this passage, he's described as the wolf who wants to come and scatter the flock and tear them apart. In other parts of the Bible, a wolf in sheep's clothing. They look like religious people, like these Pharisees, but they're wolves, thieves. Today, the thief comes in many different forms, wearing many different costumes. Today, the thief can come in the form of media, making you think you're inferior to others or missing out. It's a lie. Today, he can deceive you through the deception of wealth, causing you to make foolish or rash financial decisions or or place your security in your possessions. Today, the thief can disguise himself in the form of your favourite hobby to steal and consume your time and destroy your relationship with others. Today, the thief intentionally tries to convince you that God's word, the word of life, is irrelevant or boring. And he wants to steal your passion for God and kill your motivation to be in his word. He tells you you're not good enough. You're not qualified enough. You're not smart enough to serve God. You're not worthy enough. You're not who he wants you to be, so don't bother serving him. He tells you a lie that you don't belong to the flock. The thief whispers lies to make you anxious or jealous to steal your joy gathering with other believers. He gives you words of discouragement. This is the thief. 
Have you heard these lies? I have. Whose voice are you listening to? Who are you following? The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and life abundantly. I am the door. Enter through me and you will be saved. When you choose to listen to the voice of Jesus, when you surrender your life to him, he saves you from the lies of the thief. He saves you from an eternity without God. He gives you purpose, hope. The Bible says that every single one of us has rejected Jesus at some stage. We sung about it this morning. Each one of us have sinned against God. The Bible tells us that our reward for rejecting God is death, separation from him. But the good news, the very good news, is that Jesus paid the death penalty when he went to the cross. He paid for your sin, everything you've ever done, once and for all, at the cross. He dealt with it. The man they call a sinner, who knew no sin, paid the price for my sin, your sin, everybody's sin, once and for all. That is why he has authority to say, I am the door. Enter through me and you will be saved. On the cross, Jesus reconciled us back to God. He paid the price for our sin, but he also restored our relationship with God, bringing us peace with him. Jesus is the door. And because of Jesus, we can enter his sheepfold. Today, Jesus is calling you to enter through that door. Today, he's saying, listen to my voice. I'm inviting you. Come. What is stopping you? Why do you hesitate? I can guarantee you one of those reasons is the lies of a thief whispering in your ear. What circumstances are you in right now? Whatever you are going through right now, Jesus says, surrender your life to him. However unworthy you think you might be or how secure you feel within yourself, Jesus says, surrender to me and I will save you. Is there anyone in the world that is more trustworthy than Jesus? Anyone at all? He died for you. He knows you. He lives for you. And he's saying to you today, trust me. Surrender to me. Today is the day where you can be saved, where you can receive life. Once again, Jesus draws another contrast. He says to us, surrender because I'm trustworthy. And he says, I'm trustworthy because I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. He likened them to the Pharisees, to a hired hand. He says, a hired hand has no concern for the sheep. When trouble comes, they flee. Why would a hired hand flee? He's only focused about one thing, and that's himself. And we experience this in our culture too, don't we? We have political leaders who say they want to look after their people, but when pressure mounts, they back down. 
When a pandemic hits, they struggle. Uh, these leaders uh, and people of influence scatter, just like the hired hand. But before we go pointing our finger at the political leaders, we need to point it back at ourselves. Christian church leaders, we've failed our flock. Across Australia, across the world, there's been times when we've scattered, when we've backed down. There's times when I've done that. And I want to ask your forgiveness today. Mums have abandoned their children. Fathers have neglected their families. But here at Raymond Terrace, our focus is on the Good Shepherd, Jesus Christ, who loves to forgive, to restore, to build up, to equip. The Good Shepherd. The good shepherd is repeated twice. In verse 11, we read Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd, Jesus says. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for my sheep. He said this before he went to the cross, before persecution came, before they beat him, before he was questioned. Did he back down? Did he abandon his sheep? No. He went all the way. He went to the cross. Why? For you, for me, for everybody. Because we are like those sheep stuck in that muddy dam and we need to be rescued. Whilst the Pharisees didn't know their job, Jesus knew his job as the good shepherd. Ironically, the good shepherd became the sacrificial lamb and that sacrificial lamb is being worshipped for all eternity. By laying down his life, he became the door, reconciling us to the Father. He proved to be trustworthy to his word as the good shepherd. And not just for us, but for all people of all time. He says, there's other sheep I'm bringing into my fold of all different colours and shapes and sizes. Jesus, our good shepherd. I love what it says in verse 17 and 18. For this reason... The Father loves me. He's the good shepherd because I laid down my life. Because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up. This charge I received from my Father. Did you catch what Jesus is saying here? The good shepherd died. He willingly gave his life, but he says... I have authority to take it up again. And again, that's exactly what happened. We don't worship a dead Jesus. A Jesus who lived many years ago, a prophet that died. We worship, we serve, we come together because Jesus is alive. And he's personal. 
He's the good shepherd that wants to take us and wash that mud off to restore us, to make us white as snow. He rose to be our good shepherd and he knows his sheep. His sheep know him. He calls them by name. He leads them. They follow him. Are you following Jesus? Are you saved? Have you surrendered your life to him? Do you hear his voice this morning calling out to you? Come to me. Stop listening to the lies. Today, this moment is the time to stop ignoring him. Maybe you've been sitting in this church for years. Maybe you've surrendered your life to him before, but you've gone astray, gone your own way, and you need to come back to him. This morning is the time to surrender to him. And he invites you to follow him. I want to give you an opportunity now. It's a bold move. But I want to give you the opportunity that if you're hearing God's voice, Jesus saying, come to me, I invite you in a moment to stand and to come forward. If you realise this morning that you've been living obedient to the lies of a thief and you've had enough and you want to surrender to Jesus, asking him to forgive you, to wash you clean, to be your shepherd, I want to give you that opportunity to come forward. Why do I ask you to come forward? Well, every time we see Jesus doing it, he does it publicly. It separates the sheep from the goat, those who are out and those who truly want to be in. And so this morning, I'm just going to pause for a moment. moment. And if Jesus is calling out to you, don't ignore him. Come forward. I want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. Through prayer, I want to help you to invite Jesus to forgive you and to surrender your life to him. Come now, Jesus says. Come now. If you're online at home and you're hearing Jesus' voice, I invite you just to kneel in your room or to stand if you can't kneel. But don't ignore the call of Christ. Today, he wants you to be part of his flock.